This is WCM's Park Update, a weekly show covering the outdoor hospitality industry hosted by Ben Quiggle and Mike Gast. During each episode, you'll hear from special guests and campground experts on topics that will help your park flourish. WCM's Park Update is a production of Woodall's Campground Magazine. Hi, this is Ben Quiggle, editor of Woodall's Campground Magazine, and welcome to another edition of WCM's Park Update. Uh, my co-host is Mike Gast, Vice President of Communications of Campgrounds of America. And our guest today is uh, somebody that I've known for a while, Amy Wirtz, um, who owns the Family Business Consulting Group. And I guess, where is that based out of, Amy? So um, Family Business Consulting Group is a, an agency I work for. Okay. And it's based out of Chicago. Um, we have approximately 30 consultants right now that focus on helping family businesses um, succeed in legacy development and transfer of either their business or their wealth. We, okay. we look at transfer, including values, missions, um, and family relationships as well. So, and I think the first time... I met you, I heard you speak at the Ohio Campground Owners Association uh, before COVID, and mm -hmm. you were kind of talking about all of that. So I guess, so do you go around to a lot of different conferences and kind of talk about like family, um, like transfers and working with family and different things? I do. Um, so two weeks ago, I was at the Independent Linen Trade Association in Las Vegas, speaking about how structure can help family systems um, succeed and transfer. Um, I have spoken at Waco. I've spoken at Arvik multiple times, um, Carvik, the Pennsylvania Campground Association, um, the Top Producers uh, Conference for Farmers, and in also the Ohio um, Women's Farming Association. Um, and then I teach for a program that trains um, professionals that work with family business transfers as well. So I'm pretty passionate about it. <laughs> and, and you're a lawyer, right? I am uh, a retired lawyer now, Ben. Retired. Uh, when we first met, I still was I was still like keeping my law license up and had that designation, and I let go of it because. I don't need it anymore, and I got sick of paying for it and doing all the <laughs> doing you, uh, Did you get yeah. your soul back? Did you, does your soul return after you? Get your it did. <laughs> it magically floated back <laughs> in my body. Yes. Oh, my heart grew three sizes. Too. Yeah. There, there, there go all my lawyer friends. Uh, so, Amy, what we obviously know that there's been a lot of change in the campground business in the last I'm few years. Right. And... Uh, you know, when, when I got in the business 20 years ago, there was that was the legacy transfer was a big deal. Uh, most families got into it that had uh, you know kids in their teens. That was a driving a driving force behind it, a, a real driving reason. It didn't always work out, and, and as you know in your business, you've, mm -hmm. you've got to counsel people around the pitfalls of. Uh, sometimes it's not the best thing when a when a, a kid has raised his his entire. Uh, youth is spent on a campground, and then you say, okay, here's the keys, now it's yours. Uh, that mm -hmm. might be not what they want in the end. Uh, but it's got to become much more complicated now when you see these these valuations for campgrounds exploding to the point where the kids may not be able to afford to, to own the campground anymore. Yeah. I, you know, I think the it's, it's been interesting watching the evolution of ownership in your industry from the time that I really got involved, which was 
heavily started getting involved in about 2018, 2017. And, uh, you know, at, at that time, you know, most of the transfers, not most, uh, there was a higher percentage of family succession going on. I didn't see hardly any brand new campgrounds being built by startups at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were players that I would call private equity or, or REITs in the field, but they were small. That has definitely spun on its head. I mean, now we have buyers workshops happening all over the place. We have, I mean, which by the way, I think I talked to, was it Kelly that used to be the Arvik education person? I don't know, like three versions ago. Hey, Pamela or? Uh, no, before that. Paula. Paula. Yeah. Paula. And I'm like, yeah. you know, you, you guys are really getting primed for this. We need to get some buyers workshop shop education and sellers workshop educations out there so that we, we do some mass cohesive education happening. Um, so I think it's changing. I, I agree with you, Mike, that the multiples of EBITDA are higher than they were then. The concept of next gen or emerging generations being able to buy it from their parents, that's something that... I, I get pushback a lot on. Um, I, I know, Mike, you've been in the industry for a long time, and Ben, you have too. Uh, in our group, in our family consulting group, we talk about the benefits of the of the emerging generation of ownership buying the business, right? So, you know, we have mega parks where that probably isn't going to happen, and it's probably not necessary for the owners to have a nice lifestyle to have that next gen buy-in. And then we have really tiny parks that have 30 to 50 spots where it has to happen because the owners don't have a retirement plan. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I find fascinating about this industry is how many family businesses were started as a second career. Like we retired from being a plumber, we retired from being a teacher, we retired from owning a hair salon, took our 401k, our SAP, our IRAs, and converted them, all of it, into owning yeah. this park. And so 100% of their retirement account is tied into that ownership. And if there isn't a sale, they don't have anything to support themselves other than Social Security, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a huge, huge change. Um, but I would say, honestly, you guys, I get more pushback of why would we make our next gen buy? Yeah. You know, because I tend to work with campgrounds that are in RV parks that are 200 and over for mm-hmm. spots. So at that point, I mean, typically we've got some substantial wealth there and cash flow coming in. And, you know, I'm working with people that are third, fourth generation. And then it's more like, well, why would we make them buy in? And I get a lot, that's a lot of culture pushback, right? Cause then I have to pay capital gains. Yeah. If it's transfer on death, I don't have to pay capital gains. Well, if you wait till you die, your kids might want to be retired by then <laughs> and not want it. That's the rub there, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, my average age of the owners I work with are in their late 60s all the way up into 80s. Well, if they're all the way up in their 80s and their kids are in their 60s, how many of them want it at that point? They're tired. A lot of them are really worn out. And that's where the sale thing happens, Mike. Mm-hmm. Like. You know, I don't want to work as hard as mom did and dad did in their 70s and 80s. I'd like to rest, but yeah. we get a lot of pushback there. Where um, do you find that 
you know, park owners generally are prepared for this kind of discussion? Or is this something that they just get to a point and they decide they want to move on, but they haven't made any plans, I guess? I see it all, Ben. I see ones that have been talking about it and they have great teams and they're prepared and and then they want to just move the they want to pull the trigger and they want help walking through it. Like, okay, we've got our plan, but now we actually have to do it and we're scared to death and we just need someone to to make sure that we're doing the transfers correctly. And in the transfer, we teach that the transfer happens in all three systems. It happens in the ownership system and that's mm-hmm. contained in legal documents and it's about cash flow, right? Money being exchanged and money coming to the the emerging leaders or emerging owners. Then we have the leadership and business management. And sometimes I'm in, I'm in systems where the business management has transferred already, and we're really only talking about ownership transfer. We're pulling the trigger on the stock transfer. We're creating the trust. We're doing all whatever that is, right? So then the money changes, and then we have the family system. And so what I don't see people ready for is the changes in the family system. So when the owners transfer out of leadership and or ownership or both, what we work on is how does that change the importance of them in the family system, what their identity is, their relevancy, and their voice. So what you do goes way beyond just the the transfer of assets. It's psychology. It is. It is. It's systems. It's all systems-based work. If somebody needs a psychologist, I am not a psychologist. <laughs> I don't want to be a psychologist. But we most certainly bring up subjects that they wouldn't bring up. I'm a really good facilitator of conversations that they don't know how to have or they've been avoiding. And helping yep. them find that place and have a, a wherewithal to discuss it. Um, you know, one of the things that we talk about is if if both if both of the couple that are transitioning out of leadership and ownership are working together, right, and they're not going to run it anymore, do they have enough in common to, like, link their marriage? Because when you've co-owned a business and you've run a business, that's a lot of your relationship. So when you don't have that anymore, what are you going to do with each other? It's sort of like empty nesting. Like when your kids leave the house and you used to spend all your time taking care of the kids and running them around, and that's what you talked about, you got to find your way back to pre-kids. So what I talked to people (laughs) about is you got to find your way back to having things in common to do and intellectually stimulate yourself outside of owning that business. Yeah. Uh, um, I guess, you know, when you're having these kind of discussions, does everybody always get along? Do they always have all the, the same ideas about what to do? <laughs> sure, Ben. In what <laughs> fantasy world do you live? <laughs> no. But um, I'm going to tell you just a short story. You know, the, the real skills that I learned from law is helping people productively disagree. And that's one of the major skills I bring to these conversations. And um, we usually when I enter a system and they're stuck, they're repeating the same conversation and it gets more destructive each time, we back up to basic communication skills and building respect 
and um, and then restart the conversation with those communication skills with the facilitator to help them hear one another. And a lot of times, believe it or not, you guys, they're agreeing and they don't even know it. Yeah. Because they just can't hear each other because of the emotionality of it. So one of the yeah. things that we always drove down as, as part of the KOA way of doing things when I was with Campgrounds of America was you started planning for the next phase the day after you bought the campground. You had to have a plan in place mm-hmm. for the, for what you wanted to do next, whether that was right. going to be an outright sale to a third party or that transfer of ownership to your to your kids. And do you find that people are, are more in tune with that now than, than they were before? No. And I, I'm going to tell you, even though KO makes people do that, do you know that people change their minds? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one of the things I teach is that a plan is not linear. It's reiterative. It's reiterative. So having a plan is really important because it makes you practice planning. But one of the things that I teach and our group teaches is, and it has to be okay that it changes because yeah. life changes. Your experience change. The outside world changes. Like there are a lot of my family businesses that had thought they were going to do a family transfer. I have three right now that I'm helping where they lost the next generation that they were transferring it to to death. Mm. And that, and now they're like, okay, what am I doing now? Like we had yeah. five next gens. I have one, one family that's really sad. They had five next gens taking over the entity and they're down to two. Wow. And that's, they've had three deaths in two and a half years. Right? Like the mourning in that family is just humongous and the loss. And they had to wait till they could even talk about it. Right? And, and deal with that. So I do believe that what KOA is teaching is critical because it makes them practice planning. It makes them ready for contingencies. Right? But, but I, what I find is people get stuck that they have to stick with that plan that they created 15 years ago. And it's not relevant anymore because now we're getting these huge multiples, right? And they're actually better off selling and starting a whole nother business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or letting the next generation figure out what they want to do. Another another phenomenon I noticed in the last five years is that uh, we had a lot of small campground owners who decided to get that, next location down the road, third location down the road, and all of a sudden there's that small family has four or five campgrounds in place. How complicated does that get on your site? Uh, actually helps if you want to know the truth, especially if it's in sibling or cousin generation um, ownership, because it can help them have um, an identity that's individual amongst the cluster of the family unit. So if I have six kids, right? And two don't work in the business, but four do. And I've got four campgrounds spread over six states, right? Or I'm sorry, four campgrounds spread over four states. We can kind of give them an identity by associating with one campground. Yeah. You know, it it, it lets them to have some individuality. Now, the complexity of the wealth planning, the complexity of investment, where do we put our capital budgets? How, which one do we grow? Do we 
Do we look at it as a roll-up financials? Do we look at it as individuals? How do we make decisions if one of these is losing money and the other ones are not, right? Like, what does that look like? Um, you know, I think it, it, it's all of the above. It's, it's complicated and it's not. I'm, I'm not giving you one answer. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Well, we have to take a break real quick uh, to recognize our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Amy. WCM's Park Update is being brought to you by Woodall's Campground Magazine. For over five decades, Woodall's Campground Magazine has aimed to provide park owners and operators with the relevant industry news they need to run their businesses more efficiently. As times have changed, so has Woodall's Campground Magazine. Besides just its print publication, which is distributed to more than 14,000 industry professionals every month, the magazine also reaches readers through its various social media platforms, including Facebook at Woodall CM, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Woodall's Campground Magazine also offers a daily e-blast, which highlights the top news from the industry. The best part? Everything we do is advertiser-supported and free to our readers. As the outdoor hospitality industry continues to grow at a rapid pace, it is important to stay up to date on trends and other relevant news. Subscribe to Woodall's Campground Magazine at woodallscm.com. Hi, welcome back to WCM's Park Update, and we are talking to Amy Wirtz about family planning, uh, all the different things that go on with that, um, passing down a park to the next generation or just selling it. Um, do you do you also work with families who have to learn how to work together, I guess? Do you do that as well? I do. I help design. So depending on the family and where they want me to be, but I have gone as much to helping them design job descriptions, roles and responsibilities, reporting and organizational structures, Yeah. Um, help them do manuals, help them decide um, how, you know, like systems, how are we going to report to one another? Who has, um, authority, who has input, how is that going to work? Um, and then, uh, employment policies for family and non-family, um, investment policies for families and, you know, how, where are we going to put our capital? Those kind of things we talked about before a break. Yeah. I absolutely. know, I know like the, on the tax side, um, you know, how do they handle paying everyone, I guess, when you're in a family unit? Do you, do they, are they supposed to get like each, get their own paycheck or how does that work? So again, when we're talking about size of park makes a huge difference, right? Yeah. The smaller the park, the less employees they have. So I'm usually seeing a 30 to 50 site park going from one couple to another couple, right? Um, maybe during that transition, um, somebody will work for very little pay to learn the business, and then they make that part of the purchase price. Um, in larger parks, I see a, we have a lot of conversation about how do you fairly set compensation for um, family members and non-family members? What does that look like, and how does that impact cash flow for the owners? Um, there's a huge opportunity for education in that area in your industry. <laughs> and it's not just your industry. It's it's pretty much in all family businesses. But um, we do a lot of wage comparison. We look up data. We talk to them about why it's important to have standardization of wages. And, and then look at, okay, so if, if 
we're underpaying or we're overpaying because I've seen both, right? What does that do to the ownership system and the family system in the long term? And we just use data and we do comparisons. And your, your agency or your industry does have a lot of data that is researchable and that can be put out there on these yeah. issues. And, I, and knowledge is power for family-owned companies. It really is. So do you see yourself getting involved with these campgrounds at an earlier stage in their ownership than before? No. They are not doing that. Do you suggest that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am not helpful at formation. I'm not helpful probably in the first five years of ownership unless they are buying an ongoing operation that's fairly large, right? But if you're transferring a 30-site park over, you know, I'm probably not going to be that helpful unless you're getting ready to transfer it out and getting ready to sell it and trying to figure out that process and alignment in, in the owner's decision-making. But um, I would say if we are looking at a transition that's up and coming for leadership, ownership, um, trying to pick what family members are going to work in the business and what family members are not going to work in the business, that's a good time to bring someone in like me to help facilitate some of those conversations and bring knowledge in. So yeah. a new a new part of our industry, I guess, is is glamping, and it we we all sort of understand what glamping is now. But as you move around the country, it's as to how people are are getting into glamping. Some of them are adding a, a unit or two onto an existing campground. Some of them are scraping bare dirt and starting from scratch on the land that they may own. Are you getting involved with the glamping side of the business too? I have gotten involved with um, some farmers that I work with that have decided to do some glamping as a side business, but I haven't been necessarily brought in by a REIT or by existing, you know, campgrounds that say, Amy, we want to talk about glamping and bringing that in as part of our business. But, you know, one of the things I see is <laughs> I get drawn into other family businesses that are large real estate holding companies that own commercial real estate and um, storage facilities to be a consultant about the industry and whether they should go into the industry because of the rate of returns. And there's a lot of scuttlebutt out there about get a campground, get an RV park, man, you can make money and you roll these suckers up and sell them. And, you know, we, we're getting better rates of return on that than we will on our commercial real estate. And so I come in and talk about the realities of owning hospitality outdoor businesses. This is not, I mean, you're going to buy an RV park that's got 150 spots and has houses, has bathhouses and has pools and has event planning and activities. And we're creating a, you know, a, an experience. Owning that is 360 degrees different than owning a storage unit. <laughs> right. And so... That's fun. I, like, I really have a good time doing that because I've learned a lot from all of you in my time being in this industry. Um, we also talk about having, you know, a facility where you're hiring professional managers and your yep. industry is struggling to find qualified long-term professional managers. And what I say is, hey, you know, you can find professional managers, 
but you have this park and you are contracted to give services with the people that have made reservations. And in the July 4th weekend, when your manager walks out, are you ready to go over there and run it? Because exactly. that's what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's uh, hard work. You, you know, I, I put RV campground owners at the same level I do farmers. You live on it. The ground is in your blood. The industry is in your brain. It never stops. Same as farmers. And you have a lot of the same tax planning issues and success, succession issues um, yeah. in both industries. They mirror one another a lot. Yeah, I know the land for farmers is getting super expensive. So, um, just like if you want to go into this industry and you want to buy one, it's super expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, um, have you noticed more of a shift towards corporate owners, um, in what you're, in what you do, I guess? Um, I mean, from our perspectives, we can definitely see a shift and I think we talk about it quite often on the show. So I think, you know, I, what I, I'm most worried about, for this industry is the change in relationship between our community of owners. Your industry has the most amazing people working in it. They're, they're hardworking, they're salt of the earth people, they're giving of their knowledge, they help one another, they're, they're cooperation instead of competition approach to business has elevated this industry to where it is today. Yeah, And what I'm afraid of as we get bigger corporations in owning multiple parks, that that will shift the culture of our industry and make it less welcoming and more exclusive instead of yeah. inclusive. The great, the great talk, thing is, talk. go ahead. The, go ahead yep, the great thing is, is, you know, when I go to these conferences, we do see the corporate uh, you know, I know Sun Outdoors, they send their managers and it's still kind of, you know, the managers love coming. They still their family, you know, I don't know if it's a family environment, but it's still friendly, cooperative. There's, they love being part of this industry the way it is now. So hopefully that continues and, uh, it doesn't go the other way. So, yeah. So we've had a, we've had a huge influx of new campers, new RVers into the, into the industry. And campgrounds are busy. They're full. Uh, their their occupancy rates are, are just screwy. I mean, there there is no uh, yeah, and there is no oh, I, I don't work on on Sundays and Mondays anymore. I mean, it's yeah. a seven day a week job, uh, and if you are full full season, uh, you never get away. Is is the burnout factor something you've seen rise in the, in the last couple of years? A lot. There have been more. Um, transfers speeding up because of the burnout factor. I'm seeing more discussion about, I'm ready to get out, I'm tired, I can't keep doing this. Unfortunately, it's not just the owners that are saying that. It's the managers and the workers. So my question is, how do we transfer all of those systems at one time because we're burned out? So we have to talk about a, you know, what's a logical transfer of leadership, ownership, so that the the entity that is producing the cash to feed the family can continue. I, I would assume then that the, that 
generation that's in line to take over the campground is experiencing the same thing. They're they're out there working the park too, and all of a sudden they say, "Ah, not for me anymore. I don't I don't want to work this hard." Yeah, I've had a lot of sibling groups pick up in the last three years because of that, where all the siblings worked and now not all the siblings are working there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a problem. Is do you hear a lot of them complain about not being able to find enough workers to help with yes. that situation? Yes. There's a lot of um, I, I spend a lot of my conversations. I don't care what industry I'm in, <laughs> talking about where do I find humans with <laughs> any integrity to come and work in my business that will stay longer than five days. Yeah. And how do you how do you counsel uh, an owner that's either thinking about putting their parking for sale or actively doing it? Do you do you tell them to keep investing in their business? I know we used to see a lot of parks that uh, they take their foot off the gas. They wouldn't uh, they wouldn't do the required maintenance to keep things up and running. It and all of a sudden they were a distressed property when it really came down to sales time. Yeah, I teach about value enhancement prior to sale. So most. Most people that are selling want to harvest as much wealth out of their entity as possible, right? And the idea is that if you get um, a ready for the transition three years prior, the minimum three years prior to the transfer, except for death, disability, divorce, right? If we can do that. What I say to them is typically for every dollar of taxes that you pay, you're going to get eight back. And... We need to start claiming all of our income. We need to categorize expenses correctly. We need to set compensation to the correct amounts, right? We need to make sure that we have done our maintenance so we are attractive, right? So if we need a new roof on our bathhouse, put the dang roof on. It's worth it. You'll get it back in spades, right? That might not mean that you're actually increasing the value of your campground, but you won't be decreasing it as a distressed property as well, right? Um having some key employees, defining your systems, having your ratings, having your awards, and do a whole process about getting ready for due process. And it's similar, Mike, to what you do in KOA. I mean, we, I don't teach much difference than what you guys teach at KOA. It's just a different service, right? Um, and then I get them ready pre-transfer. Um, I worked with a, a husband and wife RV park in Colorado and I worked with them for almost a year before they went on the market. And they had four dances with buying before one actually went through. And she called me and said, oh, my God, Amy, if you hadn't gotten me ready for this, I would have I would have run away screaming. I would have gone insane. Like, A, the process is much harder than everybody tells you it is. It's not like selling a house. And B, all the work you made me do made a difference because I didn't have to do it while I was engaging in the process, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, do you ever get, do you ever get people that are just so, they're done, so done that they just want to sell the park no matter what, they may even lose some money in the yes, sale? Yes, I have. My goal is to make sure they understand where they're making their choices and why. I am not here to make choices for people or yeah. push them one way or another. Just have an educated consumer. And by the way, Ben, sometimes that is the right decision. Yeah. Because they might need to take $500,000 less because if they keep it for two more years, it will actually devalue by a million because they're not going to do anything they need to do. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think we're getting pretty close to the end of the show. I guess, Mike, did you have any more questions or? Oh, I think we could talk for a long, long time, but uh, maybe we need to do a part two on the same because there's, there's a lot of, a lot of tendrils that come out of this. Yeah. And I so enjoy talking to you guys. And I am such a fan of the industry itself and the people. I'd be yeah. happy to do that if you want to come back again. So, Amy, where where are you going to be? Maybe that's a, maybe that's the last thing we talked about. You, you do do a lot of speaking, and you do do a lot of uh, conferences. I will be tomorrow on LinkedIn Live through the Exit Planning Institute, speaking with um, Tom Deans, who's written Every Family's Business, 10 Questions Every Family Should Ask Each Year. Um, I will be at Carvick. In, in February of next year, um, I may go back to Arvik. Um, it's had a really bad time of the year for me. That's the problem. I've <laughs> been trying to get into KOA for years um, to their convention, but I've spoken at Jellystone um, and I've done some private events for some of the uh, REITs as well on education, on leadership, on communication, those kind of things. So but everybody, if you want to hear more of this, more a really good debate between um, buying your interest in your family business versus gifting, being gifted your interest in the family business, that's tomorrow on LinkedIn Live. So, okay, yeah, um, and, and Mike can probably help you with KOA. So that's uh, what I was thinking. Take it away. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I still I have a couple people that owe me favors. You, you know somebody there? <laughs> <laughs> well, All right, us. you guys. Have a wonderful day. I wish you both. And, hey, enjoy the winter weather, Mike. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I don't think there is a spring in, in Nebraska. <laughs> well, well, thanks, everyone, for watching. And thanks, Amy, for attending and being our guest and letting us drill you with questions. And uh, everyone have a great week. Bye, guys. See you later. Thank you for listening to WCM's Park Update, a production of Woodall's Campground Magazine. Join us for a new show each Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, YouTube, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn for daily news and updates, and subscribe to our news feed on our website at woodallscm.com. Show hosts are Ben Quiggle and Mike Gast. Executive producers Rick Kessler and Alex Burkett. Copyright 2022, G&G Media Group.